0: Hello, and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy. With this episode, I'm going to be talking once again to Kitty Stryker, who was the, the guest on the very first episode. And the very first episode happened before COVID and before the current uprisings in the United States. And so it'll be kind of interesting to connect back about how things have gone. But the main reason that I asked Kitty to be on today is that a lot of people have been asking me about physical disability as relates to apocalypse scenarios and prepping and i'm an able-bodied person and and feel like i need to be talking with people who've thought a lot more about this specifically before i just come in and say oh it's fine people take care of each other or whatever you know because i i I know how that would come across because i i haven't had to think about it as, as intimately so i'm happy to have kitty to come on and talk today about disability as well. So. This podcast is a proud member of the Channel Zero Network of anarchist podcasts, and here's a jingle from another podcast on the network. Do, do 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 do. Put in a thing here. The Final Straw is a weekly anarchist radio show. It's fucking awesome, and you're never going to hear me say "fucking awesome" on our show because right. we're FCC regulated. There's a a black part of my heart that that just flutters when you when you talk like that. I, I talk. More yelling. It's a weird
1: sort of like nice
0: thing in a way, but also can get kind of crushing at times. The final straw Okay, so welcome to the show, Kitty. I was wondering if you could introduce yourself with your name, your pronouns and any organizational or political affiliations that you feel like are relevant to what you're going to be talking about today.
2: Sure. Uh, my name's Kitty Stryker and my pronouns are she and her. Um, I am an anarchist doomsday prepper, uh, doing that in an urban environment while renting, (laughs) which is definitely a lot (laughs) to try to balance. Um, I work with the uh, Strugglow Circus, which is a group of jugglers and leftists coming together to do like protest work around medic stuff and also helping provide uh, some security for people who are there, who are more marginalized, um, who may not have uh, a degree of physical safety mm-hmm. in these protests. Um, yeah, uh, that, that's the main thing I, I do. Uh, I've also. Worked with a lot of other leftist groups, um, and I'm a trained street medic on top of that. uh, I run Consent Culture, which is like a big blob of amorphous things. We're doing a consent culture festival actually in November, which I planned before I remembered that the election's in November. (laughs) So I will be balancing that on top of also probably doing medic work.
0: What are you saying? I I, I don't understand why, what does the election have to do with anything bad happening? (laughs)
2: Sob yeah. um yeah uh well my co- my co founder for that is in the u k mm-hmm. and she had to remind me, and I was like, Oh, yeah, I'm just numb <laughs> at this point, it doesn't feel like it's going to kick off anymore, yeah, but it will yeah. i I mean, I know it will, yeah, it's very likely, yeah, so also, um, one thing that's come up a lot for me, especially while I've been doing prepping work and especially with the fires that have been going on, I've been very, very aware of my disabilities. Um, I have some mobility issues, which works out okay in a protest because I tend to be just a portable medic station (laughs) just on my own, so everyone comes to me. (laughs) But it does create some concerns when it comes to mobility around, say, fleeing a fire or dealing with an earthquake And Mm -hmm. rubble and stuff like that. So um, yeah, but mobility issues, I have asthma, I have mental health issues. um, And so I've been coming to terms very starkly (laughs) with my mortality and my capability.
0: Mm -hmm. So I I guess the the first thing I kind of want to talk to you about is just to sort of reconnect about you know we talked, and I think it was January when all of this felt so hypothetical <laughs> <I> know, <right? laughs> and and for anyone who's listening, Kitty and I have been talking about like man, we need to do something to get the anarchist preppers together because we were like the only ones you know I mean, we weren't the only ones, but it wasn't as much a part of the the larger conversation within anarchist or leftist spaces, and so we were always like talking about that and how we need to do something about it, and you know, we start this podcast and then and then, like a month later, everything goes. Real we sideways, real fast.
2: Yeah, we literally talked about how important it was to prep for disease, mm-hmm. and how no one ever thinks about <laughs> that. And then, bam! It was just yeah, it was crazy. It All was the, a lot.
0: A listener recently reached out to me to be like, "Did you know in the first episode, you and Kitty laugh about COVID and say that it's no worse than the flu?" <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um. Yeah, the Spanish flu, or I don't I, um.
2: Inf- influenza, yeah, I actually I've been reading up on on um, infectious disease through the ages mm-hmm. to cheer myself up, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but it's like, yeah, it's one of those things where you never know, mm-hmm. and you think oh, I mean, this seems pretty bog standard, and if we do these things, then it'll be fine. But something as drastic as government ignoring what needs to be done Mm -hmm. can destroy a a lot of people, a lot of lives, as we've seen. You know, like, countries that were able to mobilize that had things like wearing masks in place already as a cultural norm did okay. Yeah. But we live in a very individualist society where, um, you know, I'm going to take care of me and fuck everybody else. And uh, that didn't work out so well for us. Yeah. Which I think should be telling for all of those right wing uh, preppers, by the way, (laughs) who are so insistent that as long as they can take care of themselves and their family, they'll be fine. Mm -hmm. They were not fine. Yeah. So obviously that's not true.
0: One of my favorite um, sort of voyeuristic moments in watching Uprisings from the safety of my cabin and, I mean, relative safety, I'm in the South as a trans woman. But, um, you know, from the the safety of my cabin watching videos of the the right wing shield wall in Portland, um, which is funny because by the time this comes out, I mean, something wild is probably happening in Portland while we record this. But yeah. But, you know, the last time last month, um, you know, or one of the last times when the right wingers tried to invade Portland and then they had their shield wall and they were like trying to replicate this very um, collective tactic and even and, and just watching it collapse because it's all a bunch of individualists like in a shield wall was very satisfying. Um, I try yeah. not to like. OK, so so to to cut back to something else with. With what you were thinking about and what, were you, what you were prepping for, what did you get right and what did you get wrong?
2: I, well, what I got right was I took it seriously as soon as it seemed like a serious issue in the mm-hmm. States. Um, as soon as that happened, I... Was making sure of, like, what kind of masks we had. I was making sure that we had – we already had antibacterial. We already had masks. I I actually found another 40 masks while I was cleaning out the closet. Like, I had so <laughs> many masks. I was so prepared. But I – didn't even look like I didn't Mm -hmm. think I had anymore. I I had enough that I was able to give some away Mm -hmm. to a local ER doctor who works at Highland Hospital, who works a lot with like marginalized people. So that felt really good. Um, What I didn't need, cough medicine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I thought, oh, I should have this on hand. Um, I as of yet have not caught COVID. Mm -hmm. I have stayed home a lot. Mm -hmm. I have barely seen anyone. I might be losing my mind, (laughs) but I also haven't had to be hospitalized. Um, I think another thing that I got right pretty quickly was communicating with my housemate and figuring out what our risk levels, like Mm -hmm. what acceptable risk levels were. Uh, My housemate, does delivery stuff. So Mm -hmm. she was going to be in contact with people more, which meant that for me, I felt like taking less risks because I was having to navigate the risk that she might have. Mm -hmm. And also if I took a risk and got her sick, that impacts her job Mm -hmm. as well. So like there was sort of a, a, a good bonding for us in communicating about what was and wasn't Safe feeling. And as time wore on, we came up with pods for ourselves. So we had another person outside of the house that we would see. Mm -hmm. We figured out what sort of like how often to go to the grocery store. Uh, We haven't been eating out at restaurants, but we've ordered delivery, you know, like figuring out what felt okay Mm -hmm. and staying in pretty constant communication about that. So all of that was really helpful. I was not prepared for how difficult it would be for and for how long it would be difficult for me to be able to get in touch with my doctor.
1: Mm. Um
2: when it comes to ADHD medication, when it comes to my an inhaler, um I have not been able to get through to my doctor at all. Wow. Over the past 6 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is because I have state health care. I'm sure they're swamped right now. I get that, but it's meant that rather than being able to utilize my own resources and my own insurance, mm-hmm. I've had to use back channels in order to have backup inhalers, and that's and I and I've just gone without ADHD medication completely. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was intense.
3: Yeah. That, <laughs> and that I think sense. that
2: that's impacted my mental health a lot more than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I also ended up taking this time to become sober, which impacted my mental health mm-hmm. in both positive and negative ways
1: Okay.
3: Uh,
2: during this. So like, I think I'm lucky to be both a collectivist kind of person and also able to be alone. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if I hadn't had some practice in being alone, this would have been a lot harder, Mm -hmm. but it's still more effort than I thought it would be as someone who identifies as an introvert.
0: Yeah. That's been something that I've been, it's been interesting to go from like, Oh, I'm kind of reclusive to at some point I was like, Oh, it's been, uh, three months since I've had human skin touch my skin, you know?
2: Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, I, I remember feeling really clearly like the first time I really left quarantine um, because of my own mental health issues, I've, I've had to kind of um, be on the more cautious side of everything. And, um, and, you know, but I went to a demonstration, right. When, when everything first started happening and I, I passed out masks because I had masks, and and I, I remember like really clearly like touching this random person's hand as I was handing him a mask, you know. And it was just like, oh my god, I haven't touched a human in in like you know three months or something like that at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. It it it's a and yet I'm I'm still I don't know I I still somehow got used to it like. <laughs> um, You know, I don't feel it as – I mean, I also don't – I have a little bit more access to people as there's, like, more information out there and, like, we have a better sense of what is and isn't safe. Um,
2: But Yeah, I've definitely been – I mean, I've been lucky – like, I'm lucky to live with one other person which means the minimal amount of like risk factors. Mm-hmm. And we have someone who like we can have physical touch with. We can talk to each other. Mm-hmm. We like hanging out, which is really <laughs> helpful. Um, if it kind of feels like that thing where you go on a road trip with someone in order to really get to know them and see if you <laughs> like them,
3: uh-huh.
2: but it's in our house <laughs> yeah. and we can't leave. Yeah. Um, so it's good to know that we like each other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's been reassuring. Yeah. Um, it's also... It's made me aware of some of the struggles involved with wanting to do mutual aid mm-hmm. when you are a person who is high risk mm-hmm. for uh, catching an illness. Like, because I'm... Uh, because I'm fat, because I have asthma, um, there's been a lot of concern, and it's kind of hard to tell how much is legit concern mm-hmm. and how much is fat phobic fear mongering mm-hmm. about getting getting COVID. Right, and so it's it's been difficult for me to risk assess uh, appropriately because of that. So I haven't been going out to protest i've been trying to find ways to help
1: Mm -hmm. from
2: home um which usually means like listening to police scanners and coordinate up coordinating other friends but it's made me feel very um helpless yeah you know Uh, especially because i do medic stuff um i'm hoping to train more people um via zoom i Mm -hmm. guess i don't know it's just like it's so much like Medic training is so visceral to me, it's so physical, mm-hmm. that the idea of trying to explain it without having that physical contact of like, let's do it together, feels very strange.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking with one of my friends right now about, you know, they're organizing a 20-hour street medic training and they're trying to figure out exactly what it'll look like. It'll probably look like outside, masked, and then people only training with the people in their pods, you know, or... yeah which isn't as effective of a street medic training and like, and I, I don't want to say exactly how they're going to figure out how to do it, you know, but um, cause I'm not the one making that decision, but yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. I, I am, um, I've been able to go out a little bit more because my, my issues are, are primarily mental health related. Um, I guess I'll, just as full disclosure or whatever to the entire world. I'm a very anxious person and I'm very capable of specific medical anxieties. And I'm very capable of, um, like, like I knew when I went to the demonstration, I was like, I'm going to go to this demonstration and then my body will tell me that I have COVID and give me the symptoms for two weeks. And it did, you know, and for two weeks I woke up with like a fever, but it wasn't a fever, but you know, it's like, I, and fortunately I've been at this for a while, like being me, you know, and
2: yeah so you can anticipate a little bit yeah it's like being on drugs you have (laughs) to be able to tell yourself this is the drugs Mm -hmm. this will go this will end right this isn't what you think it is there's not actually a dragon right there you're fine like (laughs) yeah yeah
0: and the illusionary (laughs) dragon is like probably not going to kill me because right and so that that allows me to take more risks than than some other people but it will have like you know, the, I, I will take the damage in d terms or whatever, you know? Um,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: And and so it is. it has been interesting, and maybe it's, like, awful to everyone listening to this who's, like, out in the streets or whatever to hear two people who are mostly at home complain about, like, but, like, trying to figure out ways to feel useful is, um, especially when, like, you know, like, we, we've, you and I have been at this a while, just, like, being, you know, active, like, anarchists or whatever, and... It's like somehow like particularly frustrating that I'm like this is the biggest deal that's ever happened in my life. You know? Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, I like I I feel like I'm saving up mm-hmm. what like my energy and I mean, I I do have physical disabilities. I I have been a little concerned about trying to navigate that with an increasingly uh Abuse happy <laughs> police force, mm-hmm. um, and, and especially, especially. I mean, honestly, some of it is fear. Mm-hmm. Frankly, some of it, if I'm being yeah. really honest, is I'm afraid of getting COVID. Yeah. I'm afraid of being sent to jail yeah. uh, and being trapped there under. Terrible conditions with no access to the things that I need. Yeah, I'm scared of being in jail when I don't have access to backup medication. I'm scared of uh, <laughs> everything. Yeah, it feels like, and so it's um, it's difficult to tell myself, no, you need to wait. You are going to have to be out there in November, Mm -hmm. whether you go out there now or don't. So save up some of that for November where you know it's going to be worse. Yeah. Um,
0: That makes sense.
2: And it it really sucks for Portland, but most of the people who harass us here in the Bay are in Portland right now. So like there's also (laughs) that risk
1: assessment. Uh Uh-huh.
2: You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, okay, well, all of the pr- our our local Proud Boys are bothering Portland right now. Mm-hmm. How can I support Portland from here,
1: mm-hmm.
2: rather than, you know, going for an eight hour long march mm-hmm. around Oakland with the police nipping at my feet?
3: Yeah. yeah, like
2: I do think that that's helpful. I do think it's important to show visual solidarity in that way. Mm-hmm. I would rather support other people mobilizing and doing that who are able-bodied. Right. Um, Especially, honestly, when the cops are targeting journalists, medics, people with disabilities. I am a large target, both in reality (laughs) and, like, psychologically. Uh Uh-huh. So, like... You know, it's but I I do I do wanna own up that some of it is cowardice. Some of this is just like I can afford to sit back because we don't have those people harassing our town right now. Mm -hmm. It's our usual suspects of the police. (laughs) Yeah. Um I do think that it will kick up again in November though. And I don't think it's gonna matter what I, I think there's gonna be enough people mobilizing regardless of the result. Uh, Like like when a sports team wins or loses (laughs) and San Francisco sets the buses Mm -hmm. on fire. It doesn't matter if they win or lose. There's a certain type of people who just want to blow shit up.
0: Well, and like, no matter who wins, no one's going to believe it. Right. Like, there's just no... Because also, because one of the things... I was thinking about, as I was, I was thinking about my own, like, what did I get right? What did I get wrong in my, my thoughts about preparation and apocalypse as a, as a slow collapse of society begins? And one of the things that I've always spent a lot of my time talking about is how disasters have a tendency to bring society together and to to create tighter-knit things. And mutual aid, like, happens both organically and by design, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I, I still feel that right but i and the most hopeful i have felt well probably the most hopeful i felt was when the police station caught fire in minneapolis um yes but just to be real but but the most hopeful i felt like prior to that was watching mutual aid networks spring up all over uh at least the united states and canada and i presume huge chunks of the world and like yeah. explicitly mutual aid networks and like being like okay like this is like this is the hopeful thing that's happening in this. But the thing that's been, that I think I got wrong or that I miss, that I underestimated is I underestimated the polarization of our society. And I underestimated the degree to which people want to fucking kill each other in this country. And like, I I mostly am thinking about the right wing wanting to kill me. Obviously, I spent a lot of my time thinking about What percent of the random pickup trucks near me in the, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. tiny, the rural area that I live in? Like, but there's just so much hate and polarization right now in the United States that it's really hard for people to come together. I think people are really struggling to imagine anything other than like there's a bloodlust here. And it it's really fucking us up from a disaster point of view. It's really fucking up. Just specifically watching militias block mutual aid groups from going into disaster regions at gunpoint. Yeah. That was the yeah. most heartbreaking thing I saw because it is just so fucking terrible, you know?
2: Yeah, super backwards.
0: Yeah, and... So that's, that's, that's one of the things I've been thinking about is, is unfortunately this level of polarization fighting against the sort of like natural solidarity that people have with each other in times of crisis. And I don't know how that plays out. I don't, I don't have a good sense of that.
2: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm very concerned about that. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I laugh a lot and tease a lot about infighting on the left, but that worries me a lot too, mm-hmm. because I think that in all of our sniping at each other, people really get hurt, um, emotionally mm-hmm. granted, but like, but then that means when an earthquake comes, can I trust you? <laughs> But, you know, like there's, I, that's, that's a worry to me. Like I worry that online bickering is Mm -hmm. going to lead us as a a leftist group of people to stop ourselves from helping each other Mm -hmm. when we normally would have. And I don't think that that's worth it. I, I, you know, I don't think arguing about optics. Mm -hmm. Is the main concern right now. (laughs) You know, I don't think unrooting somebody's tweets from 10 years ago
1: Mm -hmm.
2: is worthwhile. That's not a worthwhile use of your time. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that there aren't important things to talk about, about history and consistent behavior. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, but like, I... You know, I mean, that's why I've been focusing so much on consent culture work. Mm-hmm. I've just been realizing we have all, like, we're so excited at this idea of defunding the police, but our alternatives are the police. Mm-hmm. That's what we want to do. We just want to be the police. We want to wear the boot. And yeah. I'm, I'm very worried about that. Yeah. I don't think we're very good at wearing the boot, to be honest. I don't think anyone should be wearing the boot. That's why I'm an anarchist. But like, yeah, you know. So like, I don't know. That's I I I feel like one of the best things that I could do if I'm stuck at home is to work on creating um, restorative justice models and like answering the questions people have mm-hmm. of like, well, if we're not going to call the cops, and vigilanteism is probably not okay. Mm-hmm. What do we do then? <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think a lot of people know. I don't even fucking know. Yeah. I'm trying to figure it out. But like. People want that answer. Yeah. But they don't want to do that work. They want someone to do that work. And then they want to benefit from that. Yeah. So if I if I could get more people to to get less online. <laughs> and more <laughs> on that. Message me, please. I need more people to be doing that work. Um, but like yeah I feel like um rather than thinking about restructuring society and taking this as a as a great opportunity to sort of slough off some of the crap that we've built up, I feel like we're doubling down on our bullshit <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: well, which is interesting because it's i've I've been running across this two competing things in my head as regards to infighting. one is that. I'm substantially more open to working with anyone who isn't a fascist. Like, my my softness for social Democrats, for authoritarian communists, and for, like, actual libertarians who are rare, but now we know who they are. We know who the actual libertarians are because all the other ones went fascist. Um, You know, I'm so much softer on all my criticism of those groups now in some ways, right? Because I'm like, we can't do this right now, right? Um, and yet, in terms of my criticism, of authoritarian communism, in some ways, it's tied into that because my specific thing is that I believe in pluralism yeah. and I believe that the revolution needs to be pluralistic and it needs to be able to accept multiple ideological tendencies and it pretty much needs to accept, I, I, I someone will quote this at me and I'll have it wrong, but like, It needs to accept all ideological tendencies that don't allow, that do allow other ideological tendencies to exist, right? Yeah. And and so that gets into that, like, the wearing the boot thing is, like, it's really a time for us to actually sit there and say, it's not that everyone has to be an anarchist. It's not that we're trying to create a specifically anarchist society. It's that I need to be allowed to be an anarchist. And also all of these other people need to be allowed to do what they do as long as they're not like preventing other people from doing what they want to do and it's just it's really weird that i find myself both softer on like marxism generally right but then like harder against specifically like actively authoritarian strands of it okay okay but a lot of people have been writing me asking me about should i just die in the apocalypse because i'm disabled and so I do want to try and bring right, it back yes. around to that. We should
2: talk about that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that a lot and it's definitely something that I've thought about. Um, and my answer right now is no, you should just die. There are definitely ways that you can anticipate some of the concerns that um, will come up. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think for a lot of people, mobility is, um, for not just people with disabilities, but elderly people as well, um, children mm-hmm. as well, honestly, uh, mobility is a big issue. Um, so I think the first thing that is really important as a disabled prepper is to think about what are you actually capable of doing? Mm-hmm. Like, I know that I am not capable of walking a hundred miles to a foresty area. Mm -hmm. Like that is unlikely to happen, especially in an apocalyptic situation where the air quality might not be good. And, um, I'm carrying a lot more stuff. Um, so like I need to think closer to home. Like for me, Mm -hmm. I think about how can I shelter in place or like how can I – what possibilities do I have to create a structure for myself to have my prepping stuff available that minimizes the, um, my mobility issues? Mm-hmm. So a really simple example is I have my, uh, my bag, my go bag – in my apartment that has my like important stuff in it, my documents, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my prepping stuff is in my car. Yeah. Is that a risk? Yeah. Uh, Someone could steal my car. Someone could break into my car. It's, you know, it's a risk that I'm willing to take, but having jugs of water in my car means that I don't have to take them down there from my apartment. Mm -hmm. which in an earthquake is potentially going to be a big issue. Yeah. Um, so like that minimizes one big step. Once it's down on the street level, it's way easier to load up a bike with a basket on it. It's way easier to load up backpacks. It's way easier to load up another vehicle Mm
1: -hmm.
2: rather than having to go up a flight of stairs. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So like, that's one thing that I started doing. Um, I also made myself a list so I know exactly what's in my go bag Mm -hmm. and what's in the car, Um, and when I put it there. Okay. So you know when to like
0: change out the water or like when your medication's expire or whatever.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, I have some idea of like if my medication expires, how long can I still use it? Right. And what is the effectiveness level? Like, you know, just having that stuff on hand. Um. Like, I believe, I think medication after the first year Mm -hmm. generally becomes, like, 70% more effective, and then it goes down from there. Mm -hmm. I I honestly, I would have to get the list up. Okay, Um, And, uh, like, my inhaler, I believe, is going to be pretty useful, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: even past the expiration date. Uh, But yeah, like knowing that for your medication, knowing that for ibuprofen, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: you know, um, it's not that it's not useful. It's just, it's less useful. Right. So um, I generally, I I operate on the basis that my medications are on average going to be 70% less effective after like a year after their expiration date Mm -hmm. and then 50% less effective uh, a second year after that. Um, that is probably not as generous, mm-hmm. but it's a safe bet. That makes sense. I would recommend doing the research.
0: I feel like there's like sure. a, a thing that I've been running across, the difference between... Like when you talk to a person who has money and it, when you talk to a person who doesn't have money about the same situation, There's the attitude difference is, is night and day, right? Like, um, Yeah. I get... You know, if if you get car advice from someone who has access to money, they're going to tell you to replace the part or replace the car substantially sooner than someone who doesn't have money, right? Um, yeah. And actually, not even, not universally. There's actually a thing where, like, maintaining really old cars is expensive, and, like, some of the people I know who do it, are they do it because they have money, right? But in general, I found that, like, with prepping, I've been running across, you know, people are always, like, I think I talked about this in one of the last episodes, too, but, like... um you know, you're like, oh, well, you need the best thing, right? And I'm like, well, no, because I don't have enough money for the best thing. I need the thing. Um, or yeah. I need to use the thing long after its maximum of efficacy. And and for me, that's actually one of the interesting things about being a prepper and apocalyptic stuff, even like aesthetically, is like being able to repurpose things and being able to like drive things into the ground and like know, like know the breaking points of objects and like tools that you yeah. use. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, I mean, it's more cyberpunk, but like.
2: Thanks, Animal Crossing. (laughs) Animal Crossing really teaches you that an axe has a certain number of whacks that you can do, and then it disappears.
0: Fortunately, you can build axes out of anything you find around on the island.
2: Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, two good skills to learn via, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. Oh, yeah,
0: no, I mean, like, I was just actually thinking about like. (laughs) One of the things that I didn't take seriously enough in my prepping was, like, I definitely went and got out and got a Nintendo Switch in, like, March or April. And it was, like, almost all of my money to buy this Nintendo Switch and Skyrim and Animal Crossing. But I needed it. And, like... Yeah. And I needed it partly because, like, I don't have enough electricity to play video games on any other platform. And so I hadn't thought through when I'm intensely anxious and feel like I'm dying... Video games are the best solution for me personally, right? Right. Um, I didn't think through how much electricity my damn laptop takes and how that relates to my ability to cope with anxiety problems when I don't have access to any other person or, you know... Yeah. Um, this is me, like, justifying, but I, I genuinely think that one of no, the I best think th- purchases I, I made... I think that's
2: important. Yeah, and I think that's important, you know? Like, I mean, my laptop... my I have an old laptop. Mm-hmm. My laptop is especially when the heat wave started was overheating when I was just using discord mm-hmm. and I was like, well shit, you know, like I use this laptop for everything. So I've had to figure out like, okay, how much stuff can I do on my phone?
1: Mm-hmm. Like
2: when it's really hot, how many fans do I need to put on my laptop? <laughs> and honestly, in an apocalyptic situation, knowing this about my laptop,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I'm not going to bother b- carrying it. Yeah. Like, you can only carry so much weight yeah. on you, and while a year ago I would have said this laptop was the most important thing for me to bring with me,
1: mm-hmm.
2: now I'm like, whatever. I have a lot of stuff in the cloud; like <laughs> it's all in my phone. Yeah, it's not necessarily the m- most visibly accessible, but can I access it? Yes. Yeah. So never mind. Which is like a- good. I think that's that's really important too is to think about like what do you need versus what do you want mm-hmm. and allow yourself to have some of the things that you want.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It shouldn't all be needs. You should try to make sure that you have some stuff. Like a lot of prepping um, guides recommend having a deck of cards. That's
0: because they're all really I was old. Like,
2: yeah, and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily have a deck of cards, but I could see – Especially in the Bay Area, having a tarot deck, Mm -hmm. or like I could see having a a novel Mm -hmm. that I enjoy rereading over and over again. Yeah. Um, That gives me something that it's like, okay, like even if I'm stuck with this bag and nothing else, Mm -hmm. um, I will have stuff that I can amuse myself with. It's not just. Water and a life straw, and yeah, my medication. Though <laughs> so that stuff's important too, you know.
0: Well, like when I was a train hopper, I, you know, train hoppers are like, and I'm actually gonna track down one of my friends who still hops trains to to have them on, um, because like people talk about um, prepping and being poor, and train hoppers are like urban campers who have all of the things that they need on them at any given point. You know, it'll be like different loadouts for different people. Like, if you hitchhike primarily, yeah. you're going to like, if you hitchhike, you're not bringing a camp stove, right? But if you're train hopping, right. you're planning on basically not interacting with humans because the only humans you're going to interact with are people who are trying to arrest you. And so, like, and it, those people do have decks of cards and, you know, yeah like play hot dice and, like, know lots of, like, just weird, dumb ways to pass the hours, you know? Mm hmm. Um, but they also are not super light campers, right? Like I, I remember, you know, I'd meet these people who are like, oh yeah, you know, like a through hiker will be usually a super light hiker and they'll be like, oh, I drilled holes in my spork to make it lighter. And then you meet a train hopper who's like, my name's Pogo Dave. I'm like, why do you call you Pogo Dave? And he turns around, there's a giant fucking steel pogo stick on his back, you know? And like-
2: but that was important. Yeah.
0: And his, his you know? belt was made out of a stolen fire hose, and it probably weighed 15 pounds. I mean, I'm making that number <laughs> up. But, like, and, I mean, he was also, like, young and able-bodied, but, like... Yeah. um,
2: But had also been carrying that pack for a while, mm-hmm. and so knew his limitations. Yeah. I think a lot of people, when they're putting their go-bags together, they don't really think about how hard that's going to be to carry. Yeah. Like, carry it around the block a couple of times. Yeah. And then see. Like... I know I have a vague idea of like what I can carry for eight hours mm-hmm. by having been a street medic. Mm-hmm. I know that I can carry my medic bag and I could carry another backpack on top of that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be happy, but I could do it. Right. Because I've done it. Right. So like <laughs> I can, I can say that that would be a doable thing for me. Yeah. Um, I also am aware that like, My knees get really messed up. Yeah. After about five hours, Mm -hmm. and while I could push through for another three, um, it's really better for me if I need to be able to move the next day to stop at five hours. Yeah. So, like, being able to pace yourself, having your evacuation plan be flexible. Um. Now thinking about stuff like wheelchairs, Mm -hmm. like being able to have a wheelchair Um, for people with automatic wheelchairs or like electronic wheelchairs, Mm -hmm. um, having some idea of like a solar solution to charge it is, is important, Mm -hmm. but that's not necessarily affordable. Right. So like, I don't know. I, I would probably try to get in contact with other people who have the similar issue. Mm hmm and like band together to have that kind of resource. But then you have an issue of like, what if you're going in three different directions? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Who gets to have the thing? Like it's tough. And I don't want to pretend that it's not Mm -hmm. hard. Yeah. Um, And if you are reliant on a, on a electronic wheelchair, you might be fucked. Mm -hmm. I think you might have to figure out ways to shelter in place to, make that work for you Um, because you know, like when I was doing mm -hmm. research for this, there's a lot of talk of like, Oh, well if you need medications to be refrigerated, like you could just get one of those portable refrigerators and I'm like, and how are you going to carry it? Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Well, it depends on how you're moving though, right? Because like, that's
2: true. If I'm, yeah,
0: if I'm, I mean, I actually have a, you know, my, the, the refrigerator in my house is, takes only 40 watts and is like a car camping cooler runs on dc or ac and like it would definitely be powered by a car while it's driving without any any difficulty um and it would be you know in some ways then you just look at like okay like and 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 maybe I'm, i'm saying this as someone who has doesn't have to think about these things as directly for myself right but it's like if i'm in community with someone who has certain needs and i'm not planning on ditching them because i'm not right so then it would just be like okay like that changes what our framework for escape can look like you know
2: yeah um yeah.
0: but it's like and i don't want to be like rosy everything is possible because obviously like the thing about collapse is that like bad stuff happens right um but it would be like okay like and maybe i think about this differently because like i don't think about i'm, I'm in a countryside right and it's, i have a hard time imagining why like a car stops being a useful form of um Mobility.
2: Yeah. Whereas like like, I'm in a, in a more city mm -hmm. environment and if the roads are fucked, right. Our cars can't get over them.
0: (laughs) Right. And there's more stuff (laughs) in the way and like,
2: yeah. 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 Like more rubble possibilities. And so like, so like my prepping I've had to, like, I am actually trying to train myself on my bike to be able to ride further and further Mm -hmm. because in an er earth, in a bad earthquake, I'm probably going to have to ride my bike. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to be able to use my car. I'll be able to have my car as like a storage unit, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but yeah. I might not be able to drive it around. Um, granted, it'll still be a pretty useful storage unit, even if, a, car- if a, a tree falls on it. Yeah. Okay. You know, as long as the trunk is fine, <laughs> whatever, like, yeah. Um, but yeah, that I've had to like adjust my, 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 prepping possibilities and for me a bike is easier on my knees than walking Mm
1: -hmm.
2: so like now it's just a question of like riding my bike more and like getting more practice Mm -hmm. with that um but that's my particular mobility issues that might not be possible for everyone and so you know i think um Having backup plans for your backup plans as much as possible is useful. I do try to organize with my neighbors,
1: mm-hmm.
2: not just my friends. Because my friends, it would take me a little minute to get to them. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not far away in a car. They're only, like, 10, 15 minutes away. Right. But that's in perfect situations. Right. Um, so, like it's important to me that i'm also organizing with my neighbors i know my downstairs neighbor has an elderly mother who would need help mm-hmm. so my bug out plan needs to be adaptable to take her right totally so yeah so it's it's um you know i think it's really difficult because you there are a lot of things that you will need to rely on other people for, and mm-hmm. you all need to have reliable people there mm-hmm. um, who are, who are able to do that. Which is actually um, something, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead.
0: It's actually something that I'm, I'm hoping to cover in a future episode. One of the, one of the other things I get a lot of feedback about is I, I talk a lot about community prepping on this show and I, I believe in it. Right. And a lot of people I talk, I hear from are like, I don't have, community i don't have friends i don't have you know connections in that way right and especially not with neighbors um yeah and and so that's something that i'm gonna have to like address at some point i mean i'm planning on having someone come on and actually that's sort of an aside you all who are listening will hear the people that i'm going to bring on to try and address these things but i'm also really open to um any like feedback that people have about any of these issues or any suggestions?
2: Yeah, like, I mean, uh, for me, one of the things that I do and like it is kind of a, I don't know, it's sort of a bitter response, but I make sure that I'm very good at medic stuff and, uh, you know, calming people down and making plans and, you know, repurposing stuff. Mm-hmm. So that people don't want to leave me behind because I'm an extremely <laughs> useful resource, um, and that is one of the ways that I deal with my anxiety is mm-hmm. I make sure that I am useful, mm-hmm. and it is not necessarily a question of my my use mm-hmm. in terms of my physical abilities, mm-hmm. but the stuff that I know, and don't underestimate that that is very helpful. <laughs> um, and I think that so, like finding things that you could become skilled in. Mm-hmm. Is a great way to help make yourself a useful part of a community yeah, and a valuable asset.
0: I also think it's worth looking at like a lot of things that people don't realize that they're good at, or like don't realize that the fact that they're good at this one thing would relate to other things. Like, I mean, even just like remembering, like talking with a friend um, who's since passed, but about, you know, he was really, really good at Magic the Gathering and really, really good at um, certain types of strategy video games. And I'm like, we need you. Like, your ability to analyze systems and, like, game them and figure out the solutions, like, absolutely. Like, I mean, yeah, it doesn't translate one-to-one to to become suddenly a, like, tactical theorist, you know, because the, the systems are very different, right? And it's also, like, the there are less hard rules in the in the right real world. but it
2: suggests that there's a tendency yeah. that can be that can be um i don't know developed uh, or? developed yeah yeah god i was trying to think of a word for that and i was like oh no those are all like kind of shitty words <laughs> so i was like oh like uh, uh molded it's like <laughs> oh no that's very manipulative sounding um <laughs> uh but like but I, and I mean, and what, what's fucked up, like, honestly, what's really fucked up is like feeling like in order to be saved, I need to be useful. Right. I get that. Right. And I hear that a lot in the disability community. And yes, mm-hmm. it is totally fucked up. It unfortunately is also a thing that exists and it doesn't do me personally any good to ignore that. Okay. So I work with that. I know that that is something that if there's only one spot in the car, (laughs) like, is it like, and, and like, I also think about like, if there's only one spot in the car and I have medic training, is it most helpful for me to go with that car? Where's the location that they're going? Or is it useful for me to ride my bike? Mm -hmm. Because, I don't, I can move myself, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so I think that, you know, that's, that's something that is important too. I don't know. I have so many feelings about this. I'm seeing a lot of my disabled friends feeling like they can't be useful and just being like, well, I hope when the revolution comes, I just die. Mm -hmm. And like, part of me really feels for them. And I'm like, Oh, I know, it feels really overwhelming because it really does. Like, I am frantic a lot. And I also feel like, oh, guys, like if you say that, then other people are going to see that and be like, well, if I have to choose between someone who really wants to live and someone who's right. like ready to lay on the floor, they're going to pick the person who wants to live. Like, I know it's hard to find that <laughs> desire, but you've got to find it.
0: Well, so like, that's what, we throw the person who <laughs> wants to die in the car because, and then the person who really wants to live is, has a much better chance of getting out on a bicycle because That's like, true.
2: yeah, because they, they have the drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, and hell, maybe they can, uh, you know, I've been thinking about getting a, um, a rickshaw situation. That's so <laughs> like, Hey, you know what? Like I probably have the stubbornness yeah. to, to do, to make this work yeah. in some capacity. um, I think that that's and, a,
0: that makes sense to me. And I don't know whether that's like a savior mentality of mine. And I have to, I'm, I'm curious how it comes across, but I'm like, yeah, like we, we should be figuring out, like maybe part of prepping is that if you have a van and your neighbor, and again, this is not a city situation and your neighbor uses a chair, but you don't, you're not even like necessarily close friends with your neighbor. Maybe you retrofit your van to like be chair accessible, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like, honestly, having a ramp that goes up to your van is Mm going to be helpful for other shit, too.
3: Yeah.
2: Like, if you need to move a a heavy thing, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: a ramp is going to be easier. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say that my neighbors are my close friends or anything. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I don't think you have to be. But I do think that it's it's useful. I mean, and, and for me, also, my neighbors are, like, literally downstairs and all mm-hmm. around me. Right. But, like, in an earthquake, they're going to be asking me for help. Well, you're going to be in their apartment
0: because the floor is going to crack and you're going to be literally right, in their exactly.
2: So, like, I'm just trying to get them to think about this shit now. Right. So that when it happens... I'm not like, oh, no, I have to go through 101 with you and deal right. with what's happening right now. Um, so it's kind of selfish that I'm organizing my neighbors <laughs> uh, because I know that when it comes, uh, I'm going to be the person they ask for help. So,
0: Well, and to one of the things that I think about a lot as I talk to people on this show is that one of the, the ideas that I want to get across is that people are, are not, drains people are resources or i mean people are people and therefore like whether or not they have anything to offer but i think that people do have something to offer and like i when i imagine like two cities dealing with an apocalypse and one goes full nationalist throws up walls doesn't let anyone in raises a big flag that says we got ours fuck you it's probably called the united states of america in 2020 yeah um and and then i compare that to a place that's like you know, uh, come on in. We'll figure this shit out together. Like the come on in, we'll figure this shit out together is going to have like a short term. They're going to be behind in the short term in terms of resources, right? But like, yeah, way way better chances long term. Like, people are like, I, it's, it's funny because it's like I say all these things like, and, and people must think I'm. People probably don't think I'm an extrovert. I don't think anyone thinks I'm an extrovert. Um,
2: but <laughs> you like, live in a cabin in the woods. Yeah. It's like as anti-extrovert as possible.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm a I'm a collectivist in that I, that is the, you know, the political position I occupy and what I believe about people. But I also just mostly want to be left the fuck alone 90% of the time. Um, maybe just, like, hang out with, like, a few people that I, like, really care about, you know? But, like... yeah. I, I think that people get stuck in this individualist mindset of, like, how do we, like, how do we protect our resources from people as compared to just, like, seeing things as abundance? And, like, I know that sounds, like, really hippie, but I I just believe it. And I, I think that it carries out, like, in history as a far better way to respond to things.
2: Well, I think, and I mean, look, even if you're going to be super selfish about it, it does good brain chemical stuff to help other people. <laughs> yeah. So like do it for that. If nothing else. Um,
1: yeah.
2: I think, I think that, uh, I think also, honestly, like it's when a disaster happens, despair, there's a period of time where you will probably be disassociated from the trauma mm-hmm. and the level of despair and fear you feel before the thing will disappear temporarily because your body will just be like, we're in crisis, Deal we need it. to get you through yeah. this,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, which is, I reassuring might not be the best <laughs> term for that, but, like, you you will get through it, mm-hmm. uh, whether you like it or not, yeah. almost. Um, so, like, I don't know. I, I think that everyone has a way to be useful. And, um, you are worth more than your productivity. It is still Mm -hmm. worth thinking about what your productivity could be. Yeah. Um, and I like to try to have a few different things, um, including just sort of having a bunch of information. Uh, I think that that's helpful. I also, I know that in an emergency i don't want to be the only person with this information so i like to try to give it to Mm -hmm. as many people as possible that's why i'm trying to train as many medics as i can because yeah i i would like to have to um focus on like more severe medic issues Mm -hmm. rather than uh sprained ankles yeah you know um and the more medics that are trained the the easier that is to do that yeah um I think that there, it's it's kind of we're kind of lucky in that you can. I mean, I know Amazon is is an awful thing. Most prepping websites are awful mm-hmm. as well. Just FYI, what? um, you <laughs> have to sort of ethically deal with that. Yeah, uh, but you can get bags of water,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which is a fantastic way to bring more water with you when you can't physically handle a five gallon jug it's is it a gallon of water per person per day no Mm -hmm. will it keep you hydrated enough to keep you alive yes yeah so like focus on that part like you might not be able to have a shower it will suck yeah you'll be smelly you'll be okay you know, like, yeah. make sure you have water to clean wounds. Make sure you have water to stay hydrated. Hydration is probably the most important thing, really. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe having an inflatable mattress thing for, like, in your car, for the backseat of your car, um, might be helpful for some people who physically can't get down onto the ground. Mm-hmm again is that going to be super comfortable no is that going to be accessible for everybody no um it's hard like it's hard to give like a vague prepping guide because everyone's needs are going to be very very specific and very very right. different um so you do kind of have to figure out what are your absolute must haves mm-hmm. and what are your these would be nice to haves yeah Um, for some people, electricity is an absolute must have. Mm -hmm. So finding, you know, having a generator or having solar panels available or, you know, like (sighs) figuring out some way to deal with that is going to be important for you.
0: Yeah. Um, stealing the, stealing the batteries out of dead cars.
2: Stealing the bar- batteries out of dead cars and knowing how to use that. Yeah. Um, it's not like a very effective system,
0: something- but it's something.
2: It, yeah, exactly. And it might be enough of something to help you s- jumpstart mm-hmm. a better system. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just – and, and like, in, in, there's a lot of different things to figure out. There's a lot of, like, little gears. Uh, that's why I have a team of people who are able to do – like, who have – Shown up at protests and have shown up in my personal life that I trust in in an earthquake, mm-hmm. which is mostly what earthquakes and fires are really what we're dealing with for the most part right right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I trust that they'll mobilize. Yeah. Uh, also, though, like we've been we've been trying to figure out like what's our plan when it comes to communications mm-hmm. because if cell phone towers go down, we're kind of fucked on that. None of us have uh, a landline um, and walkie-talkies don't work for this distance because there's too many buildings in the way.
0: There's ways of setting Um, up repeaters and things like that for for local radios, but I'm going to by when I say I'm going to go into this in greater detail in another episode, I'm going to find someone who can go into this in greater detail in another episode. Yeah, I
2: will listen to that because that's been an area that I've been very curious about. We've been trying to figure out, like we have some friends downtown that we were like, maybe they can be like the hub for our pirate radio Mm -hmm. station so that we can do that. I mean, that's uh, a very
0: good idea is to be able to have like a radio system set up to give people information that's like counter to you know official narratives during a crisis that that's brilliant and very fallout
2: yeah it's very it's like it's one of those things where i'm like do i really need another project do i know somebody who's like interested in prepping Mm -hmm. who needs a project who would do this so that i just need to like
0: help on the back end Uh, i don't
2: have to do all of the work yeah um
0: well, I think we're kind of running out of time. Um, yeah. I could easily talk to you about any of this shit for hours, apparently, which is cool. Um, is there may- maybe like final tips about um, disability and uh, prepping that you want to shout out? Or if not, we'll.
2: Um, I would say, like, make sure you have your critical documents for evacuation mm-hmm. together, um, f- at least photocopied ones. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
2: I would also put those in the cloud. Mm -hmm. If you could find a secure way to do so, so that um, or on a USB, maybe like I would just have multiple ways to access those documents um, because that might be really important. Knowing what medications you're on, um, prescriptions, current medical history stuff, uh, contact numbers. Like my housemate and I were just realizing we don't we haven't memorized each other's numbers and we really should do that. Mm-hmm. Um, having that stuff written down is is an OPSEC risk, mm-hmm. but is also an emergency like important thing to do. So like I'm I've been working out ways to like encrypt a USB drive mm-hmm. so that I can have one of those on my keychain, and I don't have to worry about somebody casually picking it up and getting my information. Right. Um, it would have to be someone who really, really, really wants to know what kind <laughs> of inhaler I use. <laughs> um, but also having printouts mm-hmm. so that I have them either way. Um, yeah, that does mean that like, if somebody steals my, uh, my backpack with all of my preppers, my like go bag prepper stuff in it, they will have a copy of my, uh, my social security card and mm-hmm. my birth certificate. Oh, well,
0: yeah. It's like in, in an
2: earthquake, I'm not as, ca- I don't care as much about that. You yeah, know? like you can deal with identity theft
0: later. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. take my identity, please. <laughs> 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 um, But, like, having that stuff on hand, I think, means that the bureaucracy you're going to have to go through Mm -hmm. will be smoother. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the most stressful things in a crisis is dealing with the bureaucracy because they want you to have all these documents and stuff that may or may not be easy to get Mm -hmm. from the government. Um, Also, I would say, I mean, besides water, Mm -hmm. I would say one of the important things to have as a part of your kit is light. Having a um um I I really like having one of those wind up also solar chargeable radios that's Mm -hmm. also a flashlight. Um, but it does require using my hand. Mm -hmm. So if if I'm like needing to use a cane that day, that may or may not be a practical solution. So I also have a headlamp so that I can have that on me if I need both of my hands. Yeah. But I have an alternative light if I need that. Um, that also is radio. That makes sense. So like, those are like some bare minimum things that I find useful. Okay. Um, it is, it is a lot. I will say that it is a lot to figure out and it can feel very overwhelming. Just break it down into smaller pieces. Um, I set up a, a, a guide of like five days to being prepared mm-hmm. on Medium. Um,
0: I'll put that in the show notes if you send me a link.
2: Yeah. And I would say start, start with that because then you're spending maybe an hour or two a day freaking out rather than 24 hours of freaking out, but you haven't actually gotten anything mm-hmm. done um, or trying to cram and then missing something important. Just do a little bit each day. And then by the end of a week, you'll be way more prepared. Thank
0: you so much for listening. Obviously, this episode is, a, is meant to be the beginning of a larger discussion about disability and preparation, and certainly not the last word on it. I'll be definitely looking for other folks to interview, talking about this topic in the future. And I guess I would just like to challenge myself and everyone else to really take more of these intersections of oppression into account when you make your plans for yourself and when you make plans for the community around you. If you enjoy this podcast, please tell people about it. There's algorithms that run the world that probably shouldn't. And the main way you can tell the algorithms to promote this kind of work is to subscribe and to like and to comment and to retweet and share and all that shit. Um, It unfortunately has a very disproportionate impact about the kinds of information that people see and have available to them. You can also support this podcast more directly by supporting me on Patreon. My Patreon is patreon.com slash margaretkilljoy. And I put up music and zines and a bunch of other stuff on a a regular basis. In particular, I would like to thank Chris and Nora and Haas the dog and Kirk and Willow and Natalie, Sam, Christopher, Shane, and the compound for making this podcast possible. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you all soon.